As we delve further into Street Fighter V's current evolution, we've started to note the kinds of strategies and approaches that have become more effective. Catalyst and I have a handful of hopefully helpful hints and tips on this week's episode of the Event Hubs Podcast. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Event Hubs Podcast. I am John Catalyst Green, and with me as always is John Velociraptor Guerrero. How are you this week? This is probably the best week of all time, pretty much, because <laughs> we are on the eve of Rose being released, John. Oh, this is... I was like, where the hell is he going with that? Like, really? I, I, this is news to me. I don't know. Like, we've, we've already talked a few times this week. I didn't see that coming. But okay, yeah, Rose, I guess I do yes. see that coming. Yeah, yeah. sure. Yeah, and I mean, it's, um, I would love to, like, I, I just feel like I have to conserve my energy for when Rose comes out and stuff. Like, I, I'm just going to be playing the hell out of the game. And then I, I looked up in the, the CPT, um, uh, I'll, Assuming Rose is released in April, I'll actually be able to play her in the the tournament uh, in my area. Uh, so that's that's my plan right now. Is um, uh, the tournament's going to be uh, May eighth, and of course uh, next weekend uh, the CP officially kicks off in Japan. Uh, make sure you guys tune in for that. It's going to be fun watching how the game is is kind of new now. Um, so you're getting rid of the best character in the game, <laughs> <laughs> or one of the stronger characters in the game as she's being regarded right now in Minot, to go to Rose, to go to her master, do you feel like she's, like, I mean, I, I know it doesn't matter to you, you're going to play your favorite character, whether uh, she's good or she's not, but... <laughs> It's almost sort of unfortunate because you've been grinding so hard with Manat for the last few years, and here now you finally have a well. You've had a few tournaments to test her out in, but never at the level that you're currently at, right? And so, and and unfortunately, it's like you're going to be playing your three-week rose now instead yeah. of your uh, 17-year Manat or whatever we're at. Yeah, it's um, I, I don't care because like I, I mostly just play the game for fun. Like I, I leave being pros to people like Punk and Idom and Daigo and all those people and stuff like that. I've got one of the best jobs on the freaking planet. Uh, I've got more than enough, you know. So, but I still love competing, right? I still love going in there and having fun. And then, uh, you know, a huge part of this is like, you know, um, uh online play i know because i'm crazy uh but that's one of my favorite things to do right um and uh, going in there and grinding that when i get free time it's like for me growing up in an era and, and growing up in a, a you know medium-sized town where there wasn't a lot of competition being able to go online and play fighting games regularly against people is like the ultimate reward ever like because that was not a possibility back from the era i came from right and, and being able to play like constantly without having to dump quarters in and just you know playing against a computer all the time like I'm loving it, you know, kind of thing. And now I've got my favorite character. Like, so this is a dream come true for me. And then, like, I get to talk about fighting games for a living. Like, it doesn't get better than that, man. Like, <laughs> this is, I'm living the dream right now. So I, I don't it's, need anything more. So I hear you loud and clear. And and I can appreciate that picture there and all the, the perks to it. Now, there are some other things to be said about the uh, perception of the quality of the game that you're playing if you're playing online. And yeah. uh, the reason I say that is, be, and you mentioned Punk, is that he recently announced that he's going to be not doing much in the way of competition. In fact, the way he initially said it was something along the lines of, like, don't expect to see me playing in tournaments anymore uh, because I don't like the way online is. It's just, it's it's not my thing. I, I think he said his heart's not in it. But then immediately thereafter in the same message, because he sort of broke the news over a... Uh, over a clip on his um, his stream from his stream, and then he said, "I'll also be doing you know like NLBC and stuff." <laughs> like, what? what? A, very, a very Victor statement, but it's yeah. a, I know like, like MK Leo was smashed too. Like he's pretty frustrated with how online play is, and, and I think for some players, especially your super high end pros, 
I don't think online play is necessarily the best of experiences, and it's like it's very frustrating for them because they're having drops and other stuff happen that they're you know they're not used to. But for people like me, I can't afford to travel around to tournaments like that. That's crazy. Like, and that's just way beyond my means. And you know, I've got a family to take care of and all that kind of stuff. Um, so I'm like thrilled to, to do whatever I get to do. Like, and so online play for me is more than enough. Uh, but I get it for people like him that you know they're very serious pros and like a leg drop of you know five seconds or whatever could be a huge implication on them where for me it's kind of like ah you know that happened i don't you know it's not too big of a deal right like i pictured leg drop a hulk hogan leg drop when you said lag drop just now and it's maybe it's a little early i don't know but yeah. i was like wow leg drop on punk huh <laughs> you know i actually i, I do want to shift gears just slightly but just talk about the the, the spring announcement that's coming up here and yeah. just you know next week calcom is communicating in my opinion more than we've ever seen them do ever and I'm just kind of curious because I, I know um, I've definitely been the backup torch, but you have been the torchbearer of like just lack of communication from them. And I'm really curious, though, do you feel like Capcom is at the best they've ever been? Or how do you feel kind of overall in the, the general context of 2021 and all this kind of stuff where Capcom is at right now? This is what is it like? Uh, their last one was in February, where they they basically showed the last of Dan and such before releasing the official season five V Shift Dan update. And here we are, just about a month later, and we're getting news of a yet another one. Um, yeah, th I don't think there's any question that, especially since this chapter of esports and um, you know games as a service and a continued need for a relationship of uh, communication between Capcom and their fans with their fighting games, uh, we've never seen them talk to us and communicate to us like this. Uh, and there's been some time where we're like, hey, you're not doing it right. Here's how to do it right. Here's what we want. And, you know, that, those growing pains, it seems like they've figured that out and we're kind of through those now. Are we to a point where I think that we're for sure at the level of, you know, the amount and the style of communication that we want? I'm not necessarily certain. I'm very happy with what we have right now. Um, and, and this is a great place to be in relative to where we used to be. And uh, yeah, so I, I don't I, I don't have a lot of smack to talk about it. I am very encouraged and I do like this model now. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and I suspect as well, because it's an, something of an imitation of uh, what they do with, say, like Monster Hunter. And I think there's a handful of other games in companies outside of Capcom that do this kind of thing. I think that we're going to see this continue to grow. In fact, like what we saw with the first, uh, what was it called, the the... The summer update was that the first one? Yeah. Um, you know, even from what happened there versus what happened in the winter update, and I suspect what we will see here in this next one, there's gonna be more and more bells and whistles put on it, and we're gonna get little bits of extra information. And I think that they are actively paying attention to, and therefore able to refine their process. So um, because of that as well, I don't want to go too far and say like, but they could be doing this and this. I'm like, yeah, this is a good place. We're seeing movement and progress in this avenue that we've so much needed and I think it's going to continue. So, uh, yeah, I'm really happy. Yeah, the only thing I would throw out there is uh, I, I love what Sakurai does with Smash. Uh, you know, whenever there's a new character come out, he, he sits there for 30, 40 minutes and just does a top-to-bottom presentation of him. And it's like, oh, that's so nice. I, I wish that other companies all did the same thing with the brand new characters coming out. Uh, the combat cast from NRS, I think, have been brilliant. Mm -hmm. um, but this is a, a very polished thing from, like, the you know, the head of Smash, right? Uh, not that we need the head of Street Fighter or whoever, you know, to, to go on there and do that. But, like, just his, his presentation style 
elves are really amazing. Uh, but I don't want to be, you know, I don't want to be complaining well, they, too much. Don't they have Matt Edwards doing that sort of a thing? Maybe maybe a little bit delayed after. Yeah, I it's, see. You got it. You got to lead with that, and you know. And then they oftentimes announce like you know when the character's coming, and just the, the level the, the level of detail that that Sakurai gives with that. It's just so nice. If you're a Smash fan, the, the and you're a competitive Smash fan, those presentations are the gold standard now, in my opinion. You know, and yeah, again, and I, a big a big shout to NRS too because the combat cast are beautiful too. I feel like they used to do that with Combo Fiend. I remember them uh, doing uh, showcasing Guile, or actually not showcasing Guile. I think because Mike Ross and company got locked out of the uh, the studio one night when they were supposed to do that. I think that was for the Guile showcase. But I say all that to say that I believe, and this was a few years ago, that they were doing it before the character was released. And I think that's the key there because once the character's out, you man, you got everybody out there actually doing it themselves and exploring the character themselves and whatnot. But if you do it before they drop, there's a huge incentive for everyone and their mother yeah. to tune in. Just like there's a huge incentive for everyone and their mother to subscribe to the Event Hubs podcast. You like how I did that? There you go. There you go. Hey, definitely do that. And um, um, uh, just a quick thing before we move on from it, though, uh, I'd love to see like the battle planner or uh, some of the Capcom's really high end talented players like get on there and do a few matches and stuff. And so you could really see uh, what they're looking at with the character and, you know, releasing some high end match footage because that exists. Um, and, you know, just saying, hey, here's a great replay of, you know, Rose versus Dan or anyone, you know, kind of thing. And it's like, oh, so that's what their intention is. Like, that would be cool to see. And, mm-hmm. and getting that from the get go, it's like, you, you, you could release it afterwards. And again, shouts to Matt Edwards. He does a great job with it. But it's like, right before is really what you want to see. You want to see it like a week before it comes out or something or a few days or whatever. And then it's it's so much more topical. You're getting people checking out Capcom Fighters more often. There, there's so much more, you know, promotion and value with it, right? Um, so there it is. So Capcom, thank you so much for your awesome improvements. Here are some notes. They, they, this is this is what we do here at Event Hubs. We're not a perfect company, but we're always trying to get better. So uh, if you're not always trying to improve and get better, then what are you doing, right? Yeah. Um, but uh, and then before we get into it here, because we're going to talk about Street Fighter V more in depth, but I do want to say that the Mortal Kombat uh, 2021 movie just got delayed until you know, later on in April. Uh, April is going to be a special month because of that. I know we're planning a review on the website, potentially here on the show. You know, we'll just see what happens, you know. Um, but uh, I, everyone's very excited about that. I know our readers have been pretty going pretty crazy over those stories. I've been enjoying them a lot and uh, it sucks the movies got delayed, but uh, you know, it's um, I'm we're all really looking forward to it. The reason is cuz they didn't want it to have too much overlap with Kong versus Godzilla or Godzilla versus Kong, right? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, it's uh, and maybe they need a little bit more time in post just too, but uh with COVID and all that kind of stuff, you know, things do get delayed. Uh, but that is the reason they give is Godzilla versus King Kong. Yeah. All right, fair enough. Yeah. All right. So we we have a big bombastic headline on this one, John. We're saying to people that we have tips to help them play Street Fighter V from the fresh perspective that it deserves. Mm-hmm. Why the hell does this game deserve a fresh perspective, you <laughs> jerks at event hubs? You know, because very clearly uh, this game does not deserve it. But you know what? Let me explain. First off, if you're still playing this game, you're best served thinking about it from a fresh perspective. There's definitely some stuff you want to hold on to from past seasons and other stuff. But the bottom line is if you're playing exactly like you were from past years, it's very unlikely that you're playing optimally. Mm -hmm. You need to look at some stuff from a fresh perspective. And we're going to give people specific tips. But again, we've got this big headline on here. I wanted to explain to people why it's so important to look at this game from a different lens. I know this is something that that you've personally done as well, John, because you switched characters. You're really trying to wrap your head around V-Shift. Can you you say what your experiences have been so far with like kind of doing this and, and trying to look at things differently? 
Well, this has been multifold, right? Because the meta, as we've been talking about extensively in recent weeks, has um, for sure shifted. But how much so? And for how much for each character? And, and is this broadly speaking? Or is this only in specific interactions, right? And then how does that echo with all of the other moving part variables in the equation that is the Street Fighter V experience? There's a lot there. And that can be a little bit overwhelming. But hey, that's what things like this are for, to kind of boil it down into more bite-sized, tangible, overcomable obstacle sort of pieces um, so that you can actually begin to dig in and refine your abilities very specifically for season five and beyond of Street Fighter V. And what I've seen personally as uh, something that, well, I have two broad ways of, uh, of tackling this overall question. Um, and the first of which I, I spoke a little bit about last week and I and I wrote an article on uh, I think it went up on Friday that's usually when my beefier Street Fighter 5 thoughtful pieces go up um, and and that is that for me I've had an all-new appreciation for what you can do in the neutral and uh, because of the way that v-shift and and also uh, a few other changes such as the fact that a lot of heavy buttons now have lingering hurt boxes they've been doing that they've been adding either bigger or longer lingering hurt boxes for a lot of moves over the years trying to encourage more neutral and footsie play and they've done that once again this time around uh, but there are a few things that the developers have done to encourage the game to go back to and be rewarding more so in the neutral and that's awesome because because that's every character does something there and they do something somewhat differently and I, I got a subject break you here like it's not just awesome it's freaking street fighter when did we get into this era of Street Fighter where it's like, ah, there's no neutral? Well, neutral and footsies, what's that? You know, kind of thing. It's like, what? When did this happen? But it, well, I'm so well sorry. exactly. And, be, and because there are, it's not to say that like a super rushdown kind of game is wrong, but it is an argument to say that that's wrong for what Street Fighter is and, and the expectation that has come of when someone sits down to play Street Fighter, they have somewhat different expectations than when they sit down to play Marvel or when they sit down to play Mortal Kombat. Combat. And those kinds of things can evolve over time. But man, you put something out there, people fall in love with it, they develop a relationship with it. You've got to be very tactful about the way you evolve that and you better not move too much at once because it's it's just those kinds of things don't end well. And, and yes, yeah, so Street Fighter has returned, I would argue, sort of to its roots and given every character to an extent, to varying extents, different ways of exploring the game. And when it's in neutral, that's really nice because it doesn't mean that you're in the anxiety of being rushed down or you don't have the anxious onus, the anxious onus of uh, being the aggressor and having to make these calls where in Street Fighter V, so often just the, the wrong call on offense is just as bad as the wrong call on defense because it means you're getting wake up jabbed into V-trigger activation into your dead. Right. Mm -hmm. Stuff like that. And and just playing those parts of the games hasn't been all that fun. And so anyways, uh, the big thing that I take away is explore what your character's biggest strengths are in neutral. And I dare say temper a massive part of your game around that. Yes. And that means something different for everybody. And it sounds like you had something to say. Well, um, so um, I I've got three major tips for people, uh, and you know they're they're kind of uh, they're 
longer form tips, right? They're not just like simple, you know, bite-sized stuff. Uh, I, I want to explain them in detail, but mm -hmm. one of the things that, that I've noticed in the most in this game is that if you were de completely dependent on Okazemi and pressure situations to score consistent wins, uh, you are way less effective in this game right now. Mm -hmm. and, and and it's, you know, it, it's once players, it, maybe you're still doing okay, you know, maybe you're still doing all right with that, but once players consistently figure out how good V-Shift is, that is going to get you way less wins now than it ever has before. I don't know way less. I, I'm, I'm okay. cautious there, but Fair it's enough. going to be if if there's a hundred instances where Zangief could grab you or strike you, and you have to guess your way out. Now you have one more option there that, uh, be it that he doesn't have an option select that covers everything. Uh, that it just it's going to be more times that the that the defender escapes than they did before. How many yeah. more? That's a big question, and that's important, and we'll see. But I, and I just don't want to give that too much and just go overboard because people react so hard with V-Ships oh, yeah. so quickly, right? And so I want to try to temper things. John, when has the FGC over overreacted to stuff <laughs> you've said? I mean, when does that ever happen? Jeez. But um, <laughs> instead of, uh, of... So one of the things that, that you know, to, to outline here is instead of cooking your resources on trying to obliterate your opponent with constant rushdown, which is pretty much a strategy in Street Fighter V, now is actually a good time to start exploring other options that you may have. Mm -hmm. And actually having a little bit more patience, actually having a little bit more thought. Uh, now, Bison's an alt for me. Uh, obviously, I'm a Monot main, but I, I still play Bison a little bit here and there. Um, and people look at him as not having much else besides rushdown. But some of his neutral and footsie buttons are actually quite solid. The thing about it is Bison players did not really have to play footsies much before. There was kind of like... Yeah, I'm just gonna do a psycho axe and you know sweep and do a plenty other of training things. wheels on Bison's footsies before. There you go, <laughs> and, and so it doesn't mean he wasn't capable of it. But now, if you sit back and you're playing Bison, and I played Bison against you and, and, and uh, Dream King yesterday, and I was doing much more of the thoughtful footsie stuff. It's Bison, you know. Give granted, that's not you know I'm not saying a lot in terms of like, hey, I'm playing more footsies now. It's you know Bison footsies, but. It, there's a good point uh, of really sitting back and analyzing your normals in a whole different way than you may have previously thought of them. And it's actually ideal because it matters someone, now. Yeah, it sorry, matters. Yes. Um, the way the game is evolving, actually, Bison Stand Medium Kick, it was something I was using a lot against you and in, in, in Dream King. It was good before, but now, in my opinion, it's like two to three times more effective than it was before. And that literally means, hey, you're hitting it two or three times more often than you were hitting it before. And, you know, maybe it was effective 10% of the time and, you know, and now it's effective 20 or 30% of the time or somewhere around there, right? Mm -hmm. That's a big change. And, you know, you're, you're talking about standing medium kick damage. What is it like 80 damage for Bison or whatever? But what that leads into, the, the spacing situations, all the kind of stuff that you have to evaluate at a high level of play the meta of this game is really going to start shifting. And, and so my number one tip here is that really look at your zoning and footsie buttons for your character and explore them in a way that you may have may have always been there but wasn't efficient before because a lot of these things are actually better than they were previously. You know, you talk about 80 damage and how that's, especially in Street Fighter V up until this point, has not been all that significant. And I go back to, as I've done so many times in Season 2, Tokido said it wonderfully when he said of V-triggers that were robbery, Balrogs, but not only Balrogs, that the match really didn't start until V-trigger came into play. And then it was almost decided um, by whether or not V-trigger worked out for the aggressor or if it didn't. Mm -hmm. um, and that mitigates all of the rest of the, well, relatively speaking, all the rest of the facets of this game. And to the degree that we have 
uh, or I should say that Capcom has balanced this, um, well, the balance between offense, defense, and going back to neutral. It's like so much was in the offensive department that that directly took away from everything else. And to the extent that that's been balanced, well, now 80 damage in the neutral means something different than it meant before. Because you're not going, oh, well, that's not all that important because really all that matters is once V-Trigger comes into play. It's like, well... Not so much because V Trigger's lost some of its some of its weight, some of its gravity, and so even little things like hitting a fireball and and getting an anti air DP and not going in, like you can do that kind of a thing now, and it means a little bit more enough to make your strategy based around that. I'm not 100% sold that that's going to be more effective than just still trying to force the offense, but so far it looks pretty good, and it is what I am personally practicing with Ryu. I am so much more content at just playing the fireball uppercuts war and seeing just how much damage I can get out of an impatient opponent who's mm -hmm. just going to be manipulated by the fact that I'm sticking out low forwards and throwing fireballs so they're going to want to jump. I mean, if I can do that six or seven times in a round, like I'm, I'm almost always going to win those rounds. And I don't need to be forcing my way in and taking unnecessary risks necessarily, or at least not as often as I used to. So uh, right there, we're only scratching the surface of the potential of the things that we're talking about. And there's already quite a bit to uh, to chew on and to mess with and to work with it, you know, the clay in your hands, so to speak. Yeah, yeah it's, um, I think you made a very important distinction there. And that's, if you're just focusing on footsies and Street Fighter V, you're probably not going to be very successful even now, you know, but that doesn't mean that footsies aren't more efficient now and basically more effective. Um, it's we want people to add extra layers into their game that maybe they were afraid to add before because it, they just didn't work that well, right? Uh, especially depending on the character. And it, as John just illustrated with Ryu, you know, the, the all-time fighting game, you know, uh, most popular character or whatever, just the simple act of, of the how much damage can you get? How effective can you be with the fireball uppercut game, which was fairly questionable before, but you're finding more success with it now. And, and that's what we want people really looking at with whatever character they play. You know, you, you might see some options that no no one else is seeing if you really dig into it and uh, and there it is yeah absolutely let me ask you this kind of a hot question for a hot take right off the bat put you on the spot quantify it how you will but to what extent thus far do you feel like offense is if it was a 10 before do you have a hot take on on how powerful it is now scale from 1 to 10 yeah probably 7.5 Mm -hmm. um, it's pretty far up there. Um, I, I think in, in the past I, I've put like offense at like 70, 30, like offense 70, defense 30. Mm -hmm. It's maybe 60, 40 now. I mean, there's, there's not a scenario on the planet where I think that defense is superior to this game or even equal, right? Like it, it's just, I can't see that being the case pretty much. I don't care if you're playing Dalsim or who you're playing. It's like, you got to go in at some point, mm -hmm. but at least they were able to successfully dial back the offense and I'm not sure how many successful fighting games are, are out there that have a completely equal balance between offense and defense. Uh, I think that the, the masses have kind of spoken in terms of, you know, uh, gamers out there all collectively. And they're like, if you're going to be biased towards something, be biased towards offense. I think that that has been made fairly clear. Um, sure, but don't because be you don't want that. people down backing forever on a stream where they're supposed to be hype at Evo, where it's only hype to the people that have studied it to the degree that they know what it means to down back and they know what little frames of movement and things like that are. It's like you got to appeal to a wider audience and big, powerful, fireworky offense scenarios are the way to do that as far as we can tell. 
Yes. So, um, but also don't be that biased towards offense in a Street Fighter game. You 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 really overloaded the offense before, and, and you know V Shift is is thankfully offsetting that now uh, to a degree. I'm fairly comfortable with for Street Fighter Five. If this was Street Fighter Six, I might be a little bit upset about it. Um, but you know, it's not right. I uh, think thank goodness it's not. We 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 need some different stuff for Street Fighter Six. But for for what Street Fighter Five was and is, I'm very happy with what V Shift has become. Mm-hmm. The thing about it is I'm not sure exactly what it means yet, but it's just kind of a raw observation that I haven't processed very much thus far. But I'm seeing myself use a lot more Mm V-reversal now that V-shift is also a thing. And I don't know if they're directly correlated, but my, my, you know, sort of in the middle of its generation (laughs) theory is that, well, it's similar to what I said earlier, to the extent that offense has been uh, toned down, everything else gets a little bit more opportunity to flourish. But that fact, you know, that maybe there's a little bit more that you can do in neutral, but there's also like a little bit more you can do on defense and a little bit more you can do here and there. And it's not just like a a one thing. It's like a little bit of a thing for a whole bunch of different parts of the game. And, you know, if it, if it overall encourages that you return to neutral, maybe it makes, and at the same time makes having V gauge, not as important as it was before, then you feel more, um, even subconsciously open to using your V reversal, something like yep. that. And yep. cause, cause V reversal is yet another way of returning to the neutral. It achieves a very similar thing to V shift. Although there are outcomes of V shift where you can get like full punish combos and things like that. Not as often with V reversal, but I am seeing myself use that more often than I used to. And I got to wonder if, uh, you know, it's just part of this huge chain reaction that's coming from the shift. Yeah, and I, I would actually go back to a previous thing that you said about juggling pins. Well, now we actually have some juggling pins to throw at people on defense, where it's like, okay, you might be ready for the V-reversal option, and that's fine, but are you ready for V-reversal and V-shift, and which one am I going to pick? Can you react on time on that? And we're finding out that a lot of people can't, right? It's mm-hmm. And that's how come I think, in my opinion, you're using V-reversal more often, and having it be more successful is because... Now I have to be aware of V reversal and V shift or, you know, the wake up jab or backdash or a million other things. Right. Mm -hmm. Like we actually have viable defensive options and they're not all super telegraphed and easy to counter. It's like, oh, I that actually works now. Like because I I just can't be ready for everything. Right. Right. And and that's the Street Fighter five special. Yeah, it's like a secondary uh, or like a secondary way of of buffing, you know, like rock Mm -hmm. becomes scarier just because paper lost some luster. You know, something like that. There you go. So another thing actually on that note is uh, my second tip is I'm actually not always trying to activate V-Trigger right away the moment the bar fills up, right? Like Street Fighter V is so bad where it's like, when you're very close to V-Trigger, it's like, you know what, I'm just going to take a couple hits to get V-Trigger because sometimes that is actually the right move to make, to actually take damage on purpose to get to V-Trigger. At least (laughs) that used to be more of the right move. And now what I'm finding is, you may not want to pop V-Trigger the moment you get it. Because, I mean, how many matches, John, have you and I played, not not together, but I mean just in like ranked and stuff like that, where the moment V-Trigger is available, the opponent is trying to activate it with every fiber of their being. That how becomes often- the game. Well, that's so reliable, at least it used to be, and it still more or less kind of is, but I see what right. you're saying here. But it's so reliable that, hey, uh, you know, the strategy is you corner, say, Akuma, and now Akuma has V-Trigger, you're not just going in, you are playing around the fact that he's going to try to fireball into V-Trigger or he's going to try to sweep into V-Trigger or put like a heavy move on you, and you're spacing yourself around that those exact sequences because that's the most fruitful uh, and, and potentially successful strategy you can do there. 
highly efficient, highly effective. It just, it, it's what everyone has learned to do in this game. It's not the way the game started out, but it's definitely where the game is at and it evolved to. But now, because of V reversals and, and V shifts, um, you, and those being more effective, right? You might actually want to consider not activating depending on the situation you're in. If you're not going to kill or put yourself in a highly uh, advantageous situation, you might want to hold on to your V gauge. I'm actually finding success now and being like, okay, my opponent just got the three bar V trigger and I've got like a 70% life lead, right? Uh, and sometimes in those situations, I'd be terrified in the past. Like, I'd just be like, oh my gosh, like, because I know if they get one good read on me, I'm in a 50-50 and I'm dead, right? Mm -hmm. Well, now I'm going, why don't I hold Hold on to my V gauge here just in case they get me in a scenario I don't like because I might be able to zone them and play footsies the whole rest of the way to kill them now. And that's actually effective. And so my second tip is don't activate V trigger right away all the time now. It most of the time is still probably fine, you know, but but like all the time used to be the absolute rule in Street Fighter 5. Just activate the moment you got it, just freaking do it. Now you want to be a little bit more careful on that. And, and there's going to be a bunch of scenarios that come up and it's going to be depending on who you play. If you play Guile, you know, you really might want to save your V-Gage much more often than if you play Bison, right? Um, but, you know, Bison's got pretty bad defense. And, and a bunch of other characters, like, sometimes the V-Shift is the perfect option defensively. And, and there's not a better option in the game for what it does in the positions it puts you at. And if you don't have any, you know, V-Gage to spend to do it, you can't do it, right? So... <laughs> Think twice now before you, you activate into V-Trigger. There are some scenarios that I'm seeing come up consistently in the matches I'm seeing where people are just activating without any thought like we used to because that was that's what you did, right? Well, it's now what that's, I still do. Yeah, yeah, and I still, I, I'm catching myself doing it too. I'm trying to break this habit, right? But I'm seeing opportunities that we're missing, and so that's my second tip. To me, that um, the way I might package that is that uh, consider saving your V trigger or your V gauge, I should say, for uh, when when you're at advantage, when you are on offense, or when you are up in in health, to maintain your advantage, right? Because maybe you've uh, maybe you've backed G into a corner, yep. he's got V trigger, he activates and he starts his business on you, and now you're into a reset. Well, if you've saved your gauge, maybe you get to back out of that reset with a V shift where you couldn't have before, and just hanging on to that meter means that you can directly counter those big, you know, because that's that's the thing that we talk about V shift probably being the biggest direct counter to is V triggers, right? And especially right. the overwhelming offensive pressure V triggers. It's like, well, hey, if you're fighting and Laura, maybe hang on to that stuff because you get your advantage and everything and, and, and it, you can actually use it in that anti-robbery way. It's like, think about it. So yeah, you're right. And, and as as Ryu, I, I, mine might be a little bit different of a situation because Ryu has, the way I pay, play him with uh, V-Trigger 2, not one, but two parries. Um, and then that sort of goes into the equation of V-Shift as well. They're not frame one parries, and that's a significant difference compared to what you can do with V-Shift. But I tend to just go up and put that sweep, you know, that crush counter, low hitting, far reaching, faster than it used to be sweep on someone. And then, you know, whether or not I, I get them, well, I'm, I'm in a pretty good situation or I've just knocked them down and now I have my V-Trigger ready so I can, I have that really scary parry to also do what V-Shift does and cause people to hesitate a bit. And um, so that's been my strategy. Maybe maybe I'll get even more out of, and in certain matchups, out of holding on to it and just staying like, man, it requires a real patient person, especially if you're used to using your V-Trigger in Street Fighter V. You're telling people to not use their V-Triggers in Street Fighter V right now. I, I'm, I'm bat crap insane right now. That's, that's foreign what <laughs> as hell to me, yes. But yeah. yeah, maybe if you can, if you as a seasoned Street Fighter V player can find patience 
to not activate V trigger and to hang back and only throw fireballs and uppercut, which as I tell myself out loud after a stupid loss and then immediately go in and my fingers just forget two seconds into the round. <laughs> so uh, I'm in there with you guys, but uh, yeah. if we could find patience, maybe it is the, uh, the way to go now. And, and think of it a bit like using super. Like sometimes you can use super and get the damage, but like when are you, what is the context that you're using super in? And a lot of pros, they only use super to kill. Right. Um, and some pros use it to like, you know, positional advantage or a few other things or to chip out or whatever. But um, think of V triggers a little bit more in that regard. I'm, I'm not saying to the level supers are because supers you really do need to be thoughtful of at high levels of play to, to maximize what you've built up. And they transfer from round to round. V gauge does not. Right. It, it's it's use it or lose it. But when you're using it, it's think of it a little bit more like super and, and it will it will help. It's again, not exactly like super, but a little bit more like it. This so. right in and of itself is evidence to me that this game is clearly more uh what would you say, multifaceted, deeper, yeah. more thoughtful yeah. than yeah. it was ten minutes ago, you know, oh. so to speak. Um and, and that's that in and of itself, it's like maybe it doesn't amount to a more fun game in the long term or not. I, I think it will, absolutely. I think it already has. But I mean, even just in, in the theory room, it's like that that in and of itself is a win. And I know that I have like a whole personal philosophy around when I'm going to use a super and when I'm not. Um, I don't always adhere to it perfectly and to my chagrin. But, you know, if, if I'm down a round and it's round two and I'm like, I need to get a bunch of damage and stuff, my own philosophy is usually I'll use the super because I need to get that bar back and I have to play this as if I'm going into round three because it's a moot point if I lose this round anyway, right? But then if I'm, a, then there are certain scenarios, you know, like right down to just pretty much any point in, in, a, in a match, in a three round match where I'm going to use it or not. Um, and being able to do that with your V gauge, where as we just established, it used to be uh, get it, activate it and go crazy. Um, it's just not very nuanced. It's not very thoughtful. And I think that there's more opportunity for fun to the degree that we can be more nuanced with yet another facet of the game, <laughs> the, yeah. the defining facet of the game. And I, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to think of scenarios where like in past seasons, you wouldn't want to activate V trigger right away. But it seems like maybe <laughs> I'm stretching here, like, not wanting to get chipped out is a big one. Oh, that there was you go. a very okay, yeah. obvious one, but that's one character. And, yeah, um, a very specific circumstance mm -hmm. with a very powerful V-Trigger. So I think in like 95% of the time you wanted to activate V-Trigger pretty much the moment you got it, right? Um, and mm -hmm. now I think that might be closer to like 75%. It's still a lot. It's still most of the time, yeah, just go do it, right? But, you know, the, that 20% more of the time or whatever, you might want to look at some opportunities to spin that bar more efficiently, right? Uh, we, we Again, we talk a lot. You and I are high-level players. We talk so much about what's efficient, what's good in the meta. Um, because you and I are constantly examining this stuff because if you want to have consistent wins, if you want to have consistent results in fighting games, you need to know what the most effective stuff is. You need to know that the range is on screen to stand. You need to know how you're spending your meter. Uh, you need to know how you're building your meter. You need to think about the stuff inside and out. A lot of people play by Phil, and that's okay. We're hardcore freaking Street Fighter nerds, right? We, we are talking and examining this stuff at, at every level. And then we're passing that on to, to you know our audience and the entire FGC and saying, hey, apply it however you want to, but this is what we're seeing. You know, we, and we want to get this information into the people, man. We, we love the people. We want, we want everyone to be better at fighting games. We want everyone to be happier with the, the fighting game that they're playing. So yes. you can apply this stuff universally. It's not just for Street Fighter V. It's all about finding the most efficient stuff in there. And our code word for that is just the meta of the game. What is the M-E-T-A, the meta of the game that you're, you're supposed to be looking at to, to flourish the most um, because it's the most efficient way of playing it?
So first of all, good delivery there. It sounded almost like you were setting that up to roll into your next point. Maybe, maybe. Well, so if you weren't, I, it rolls into my next point perfectly. So it. I was going to steal it do and it. say that, uh, and, and I will also preface this by saying I have traditionally, and if left to my own devices, very much a play by feel kind of player who couldn't articulate to you what just happened um, in any given round. Uh, but yes, as you know, being the person who's on this podcast and, and working with event hubs and trying to communicate to the community, I am trying to take notes and be able to articulate these things. And one of the things that that's kind of caused me to do, and that I think this is a universal that no matter which character you play um, and how you play them, you're going to need to know what V shift specifically means for your character in some specific scenarios. And that means going into training mode and practicing it uh, against more likely situations that you know you're going to encounter. Those are things like, you know, routine pressure from Bison into his psycho acts, for instance. Um, what does it mean to, to time, you know, in his block strings, for instance, your V-shift defensively, right? Uh, if you do that right after his standing medium punch, you're still going to get hit by the psycho acts. You actually have to delay. There's a little bit of a delay there. You got to use it with some precision. But that was one of the first moves that came to my mind when we first saw V-shift. It's like, oh, there, it's an answer for that kind of stuff. It's like, well, exactly what is the answer there? And how far back does your character move and how much time do you have to punish bison should you just go for v shift break do you have a better attack that's going to reach and do actual damage you know things like that are huge and then it's like well how does that operate in the neutral how does that operate when you're in the corner um cammy's dive kick that's a huge one guess what if she's doing her ex dive kick at your ankles like where she's supposed to be where it's safe there's not a lot you can do even with v shift you might see it you might it, you know helps you get out of that pressure so it's maybe worth it just in and of itself but if you're hoping to punish her for that it's not a lot of scenarios where you're actually going to do that and save yourself the grief of finding that out with your face in an actual match do it in training <laughs> mode you know yeah so little things like that. Um, maybe if you're Cammy, which she's arguably one of the absolute best characters in the game now, maybe you can use V-Shift to get away from fireballs and then super with your stupid full-screen three-frame super that you have. Uh, knowing little things like that, what it means to I, do I have to I have to stop you. I love that you feel the special pain as a Ryu player, as a fireball player of Cammy's three-frame super now because a lot of Cammy players don't realize how much privilege they have uh, when you have a super that fast that covers that much much distance, there are certain characters in the game that are going to hate your freaking guts for having mm -hmm. that. Ryu players are one of them. So yeah. Ryu players have a special... I've been on the other side because Nikali's oh. got not as good oh, of a super, I but I mean, oh, it's fast, I it. horizontal moving, goes through them fireballs. It, it, you know, you catch someone with uh, overextending. You, could, you can use it to play footsies in Street Fighter V. <laughs> In a way that I really like, uh, it's just that well, you, your super only comes out once or twice in a in a any given match, you know. So it's like not that much. But yeah, I, I've been on the other side of that. Now I have to uh, be real careful about it with fireballs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a uh, I hate Nicole's super, but anyway, regardless, uh, uh, back to your point here of. Um studying v-shift and knowing exactly yes. what it means the yes. spacing the the amount of the recovery all that kind of stuff oh and of course what are you going to do when you're the one that's on offense it, it changes what you do on your own oki and a big first step in that is learn how to do wake up throw on your opponent's wake up meaty throw and then if they v-shift that what are your options there and, and build into your muscle memory and your 
uh, reaction memory when you see it, the ability to see it and the ability to punish with whatever it is your character has. You need to know those situations, again, both in the mid-screen and in the corner because they're going to be really helpful to you uh, with where the game's at now. Yes, there, there's so much here for people to unpack with the game, relatively speaking. If Again, this is for people still playing the game. Uh, I don't know if this stuff is enough to get you to come back to the game, but this is here for the taking right now. We're going to see it on the CPT here really soon. You're going to see, especially when we get to the European regions, you guys are going to see some real serious stuff with V-Shift. I don't know if Japan's... I'm not seeing a lot of players from Japan properly using V-Shift yet, in my opinion, properly using it, but the European players, ooh, it's special. It's mm -hmm. really special. So, um... Again, it's a, if you were kind of disappointed with what Street Fighter V is right now in terms of like you thought the you thought things would be bigger and you've, you're hearing everyone just undersell you know uh, V shift outside of event hubs and stuff like that, like take a second look here. This is why we're doing this podcast and we're trying to give people real specific things to work with and to play with. And you know we don't want to just give them one or two tips. We're trying to give them a bunch of tips to look at and see where if they can find more fun and enjoyment in the game because the game really is different now, but a lot of people don't see it yet. You know, um, I was interested to see as I was doing some more research for this. I'm trying to get uh, ideas outside of just gameplay uh, presentation, you know, and examples of how people are feeling and looking at V-Shift. And I know uh, the the general feel is that, uh, or at least what we've been feeling like it is, is that people are like, oh, this is underwhelming. And that's understandable in that, like, when it was first showcased, we were just seeing it being used super effectively. And it looked, to, at least to me, like something that you're going to use as a parry that you can go into, like, a huge combo every time you sniff something out. And it's... It's clearly not that. And so a lot of people are like, ah, oh, V-Shift is super underwhelming and not really going to be a game changer. Um, and so one of these, uh, the, as I've said before on the podcast in more recent uh, times, one of the sources that I've been going to regularly is uh, FGC uh, Mura. And and mm -hmm. he recently posted a uh, video where he was talking about V-Shift and, and shows very practical ways of using it. Um, one of the things I didn't realize that's actually kind of cool is that um, because, you know, the whole buffer thing, if you, if you, you can still buffer if you hit the parry of the V-Shift, you know, so low forward into fireball, the fireball will still come out, even though you didn't technically hit the other person. Well, that also works for V-Trigger activations, by the way. So maybe oh. someone like does their go-to string and it's like a block string into activation and you V-Shift that first part and now you're like, hey, I'm going to be at advantage. If they cancel that into V-Trigger activation, maybe they're still plus seven in your face and, uh, and that changes the calculus a little bit. So, hey, it's evolving. And I didn't see that until I watched um, this video from him. But his general takeaway was that this is a little bit disappointing and immediately uh, a lot of the comments the first comments were uh, i don't think you're getting it bro or i'm not i'm i can't fully agree with you and, and i'm kind of there too it's like ah, i think there's a little more to it and we're not seeing the full picture and it's not as big as it looked but that doesn't mean it's useless man yeah uh so yeah, yeah. That's one of the biggest mistakes I'm seeing people to do, and it's it's the classic, it's the, the Capcom conundrum. We've talked about this before. It's it's cool, and I, I'm not even joking about this. It's cool to rip on the stuff that Capcom does. You get likes, you get upvotes, you get more comments. The moment you start bashing Capcom, the people are they wanna they wanna support you for it because there's a lot of people who just wanna hate on this game, uh, and, and and Capcom in general. You know, not just Street Fighter Five. And look, there's valid reasons to not like Street Fighter Five. That's not what I'm saying. But if you look at the disparity of of the negative hate 
that is generally prevalent, and, and at least on our website and other places uh, that are frequented by the FGC. It's like that Street Fighter V has a special spot in people's hate heart, you know, kind of thing. It's like, I really want to say something nasty about this game because I'm going to get some likes and upvotes. And well, other and stuff understandably and, so. Know. It's also yeah. just comes from like the, the frustrations that the game yes. has given a lot of people. Yes. So. Both things are definitely true, right? Yeah. So, um, but anyway, uh, so... Uh, there's a lot here to unpack. And what I'm saying is, you know, you and I don't know everything. No one else knows everything either. Like give us a little bit more time to, to percolate in there and, and try. There's some tech that people are really sleeping on right now. And we want to highlight that, but also there's stuff we don't know and, and, and go in there and explore it. Like there, it's worth doing it. Don't listen to what people are saying when they say like V shift is worthless. That's not true. I can tell you it is not true for sure. Um, now how worthwhile it is. That's up for debate. We're still right? figuring it out, but yep, it's something. It yeah. Um, oh, and I, and I quickly, I want to clarify before we move too far, uh, just to, to specify, I said FGC Mira, it's, it's actually MC Mira FGC. I want to specify that because oh, uh, I know I just kind of like said, well, I disagree with you, but like, it's, it's a lot of worthwhile content. And even that video that I don't fully agree with has, like I said, a lot of worthwhile content. He's definitely worth following and, and following for, uh, for information on Street Fighter Five, a lot of good stuff coming from that channel. So, yeah, if you see one or two major things you disagree with with a content creator and you write them off because of that, you're gonna miss a lot of the good stuff that they do. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, it's it's fine to disagree with people, and by all means, do it. But like, don't tune people out because like you you disagree with one or two things they said. You know, it's it's a bad it's a bad practice, and you miss out on a lot of great content and really good information if you do that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, all right. So the last major thing I have, and this is going to tie very heavily into the stuff we've already been talking about, but that is how less effective rushdown is now collectively in this game. We, we just spoke about how dominant offense has been. And honestly, I think the best defense in Street Fighter V used to be having a great offense. Just KO the other person mm-hmm. before they have a chance to get their stuff off, right? Well... Because of V-Shift and balance changes, many rushdown and mix-up characters have seen an overall nerf. Now, a lot of people aren't fully taking advantage of that yet, so you're still seeing a number of these characters. And I called it uh, last week with Cammy. I said, hey, Cammy's really strong right now. I don't know if that's going to hold up long term for her. Now, I, I think she's still going to be in the top 10, but people have her like top one right now. Best character in the game. And I'm like... I don't know if the game is going to evolve to the point where Cammy stays at that that level. You know, I, I really think that some of the more zoning-based characters are probably going to, at least they're going to be up there in the top five where, you know, a zoning character in top five was very rare before. I think we might see a few of them in there now, right? Mm. Um, and anyway, so th- this is... I really want to shout out a character that, that I know you hyped up on a previous podcast that I was listening to, and that's Sagat. Now, uh, I, Sagat's been one of our more underrated characters, <laughs> and he's you know the king and other stuff like that. I'm not saying Sagat is this amazing character everyone's sleeping on, but if you want to go back and, and chuck some plasma in Street Fighter V, I think that you have a really good option there with Sagat. And another character I'll shout out here is Gil. Uh, both of those characters now have the ability to do that better than they ever have before. Uh, obviously, you're playing Ryu and you're able to do the fireball uppercut game in a way that you never have. Now, Ryu got 50 billion other buffs and all that kind of stuff, but maybe Ryu isn't your cup of tea. Go look at some of these other characters here and, and realize that their tools are... Uh, with the collective shift that Street Fighter V has underwent, they're going to actually be better overall. Uh, the majority of the, the low-tier characters in this game got buffs. Um, I'm really sorry to Nash fans. I don't know <laughs> what Capcom was doing there. Not him, but a lot of the other characters, like they got significant buffs, plus the meta of the game is favoring them now. So 
I mean, this was a Street Fighter Five special. You would you would go up against Ken and Armika, and the freaking day month one mix-ups that you saw, like in the game, they were still doing, and they were still hella effective. That stuff is not that effective anymore. And you're going to see a lot less of characters like Armika. Like you're already seeing it right now. And you're going to see a good bit more of characters like Sagat and Gil because that style is actually effective now. So if you don't want to play Ryu, if you don't want to play Poison, if you don't want to play Guile, but you, you like some of the other lesser zoning characters, give them another look. Because it, it's just the, the biggest thing I'm trying to say here is like that rushdown and the previous meta of the game it's just less effective, that means there's more room for you to play this game in a way that you maybe didn't think was was viable before. <laughs> so, yes, I hyped up Sagat a few weeks back, I believe, in theory. It's like, I and, and I've said a couple times, it, feel like, it feels like from the patch notes and from reading them and, and from sort of theorizing that he and Gaio might be switching places because of the, the similar ways they kind of play and the kinds of buffs that and, and nerfs that happen between the two characters. I played Sagat uh, against you in, um, over the weekend, and it was kind of just like alternate characters, um, not throwaway matches, but certainly not, you know, like I'm, I'm not sharp with my Sagat, uh, but just... And, and your, uh, your, your co-host here might have been in a different state of mind when he was playing too, just to, to fill that in there, but yes. To explore, um, yeah, it's is more of like just, you know, feel the characters out. It, it, was, it was definitely not during work hours. There's a difference yeah. between work hour play and, uh, and, and off hours play, but anyways... In playing with Sagat, it's like, yeah, he's got faster fireballs, he's got some better normals, he's got some better potential, and I, and again, I wasn't doing all of his, you know, highest level strategy, and, and it wasn't a super refined play, but I will say that I left the those sets feeling like, man, for as good as he might be at zoning and such, Sagat's so slow relative mm. to, to others, and, um, and as I think about, like, First of all, it's like I, I after playing that, I'm like just play just play Ryu. If you want to play this yeah. style, just play Ryu, yeah. or and maybe yeah. Guile. You know, if if yeah. that scratch the scratches the itch. Uh, but like, man, Sagat's just like it wasn't fun, uh, and it didn't feel like it was gonna be fun. That's not conclusive, but that that was my initial reaction. And then I go, well, like, okay, so he's got this zoning ability, and and zoning is obviously better now. But this lack of speed keeps popping up on my radar, and and by that I mean like a lot more so in the neutral, his ability to reposition and get himself essentially out of pressure, out of red zones when he needs to, is so not there. And then I. I think of someone like Cammy who has that in spades and though she might not be a zoner and she might not be able to take advantage of this new uh enhanced part of the game that you that Sagat can her ability to maneuver and such might outweigh that in a pretty significant way and it's like it's and you're comparing apples to oranges but you know they're still within this same general fruit basket and then they're relevant so uh, but man my my initial looking at the paper for Sagat and then playing him were night and day in what I expected yeah. to see and feel. And so, uh, but you know, check out, check out what Zaffirino is doing with the characters. Check out what Bonchan's doing with the character. Yeah. Don't just hear this and like use that as, as a be all end all for sure. Uh, because I'm no Sagat expert, but, uh, yeah, I think worth, worth talking about at least. Yeah. And I, I mean, I, I think it's very clear that Guile and Ryu are better than Sagat right now. Um, and it's, it's hard for Capcom to know exactly where Sagat was going to end up and give him the proper amount of buffs. Right. Um, but it doesn't mean it, you know, so, you know, if you're, you're looking for a high tier zoner, go play Monat, go play, you know, it's one of the other ones. Right. But let's say that those characters don't resonate with you for whatever reason. I mean, I've got Rose coming out. I don't care if she's low tier, high tier, whatever. Uh, I'm going to play her. Right. For some people, like they just want to play Sagat, but they were very frustrated with trying to play Sagat in this game before. 
I think that if they couple more footsies and more V-shift, they're going to have an opportunity to, to propel themselves further and doing that fashion than they ever have before. Mm. And that's where it's worth looking at the character again. I'm not saying Sagat Taitir because I'm not buying that right now. Um, and man, I'd love to be proven wrong, right? But I do think that for people who really wanted to play him, he's a more viable option than he was before. And I'll mention here, uh, Dream King with Gil. Um, uh, he would pl- he's like, I want to play Gil, but Gil's just not good enough, right? And, and that was a big issue. He was like on the edge of being a viable character last year. Well, now he's, uh, in my opinion, a totally viable character. He's not the greatest character in the game. He's not fantastic, but he's good enough to make playing him worthwhile. And that's one of the big things that Dream King has told us over and over again. And it's like, he's like, the game just kind of sucked because I couldn't, Gil was not viable enough, you know, and now he is. And it's like, I love the game that much more. And, and, and there it is. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of people still saying he's absolute trash. Um, and, and, uh, you know, I'm more on the side of, of where you're at with it. It's like, well, I, I see some decent potential with him and like ability. I don't think he's the best, but I, the, like bottom tier, I don't see bottom tier, but yeah. a lot of people still put in there. So that's interesting. Yeah. All right. So uh, putting a bow on this, uh, I wanted to get over. Uh, we, we've covered like kind of our, like our, our big risers up that the tier list and stuff like that. And we previously covered Ryu, but not Guile, Kami, uh, I wanted to get into the final three characters that I had here. Uh, and, uh, the first one here is Chun-Li mm. and, um, uh, what I said about people being slower to figure out Cami in terms of uh, like Cami's gonna, Cami's at the very top of the tier list for a lot of people right now, and I think she's gonna go down over time. I actually think the opposite of Chun Li. I think Chun Li's lower on the tier list right now, and over time, once people figure out how this game has evolved, I think we're gonna see a lot more people playing her. But right now, Fujimura, uh, MOV, Master of Vampires, uh, Super Centauro Man, Human Bomb, Filipino Man, and many others uh, are playing Chun Li. And, and they're all doing it at a pretty damn good level. And and when you see a lot of players kind of migrating over, especially someone like Fujimura, right? It, it's uh, I know he was playing uh, Chun-Li previously, but like he's playing her more often, right? When you see all that kind of stuff, it really starts to add up. And and Chun-Li is a pretty darn good zoning slash footsies character. She, she's generally very proficient in that. And since it's overall better, it's like, okay... I actually see Chun-Li as having a real legitimate shot at winning some CPT events now. I'm not saying she's a lock to do so, but I would not be surprised at all if she takes a, a CPT event R2 uh, home this, this season. In theory, I 100% agree with you, but I would expect to see more already. And um, and mm-hmm. it's odd to me that I'm not seeing that yet. It feels like Chun, who's a character that, yes, yeah, hasn't been the best, at least not since season one, but has been getting steadily better just about every season, people have been playing with her. So it's not like we have a bunch of people that like are just starting again with Chun-Li and just figuring it. I'm sure we do have that, but there, you know, Fujimura, like you said, has been playing the character for a while. And if that's the case, then it's like, it's not going to take these guys too long to like start going crazy. And I haven't seen people going crazy. Like I would think with Chun-Li because yes, she is a control character, like crazy. The things that she's good at, it's really nice to be good at right now. And um, the only thing I wonder is if, like, she has enough damage out, out of her single hits. And I got to say, yeah, I mean, she totally... If, if Balrog can get away with doing what he seems to be doing with, uh, with like, neutral play that we talked about last week, which is, you know, kind of dancing around, getting hits here and there, going back to neutral and just playing that game until he gets a 
if he gets a super obvious big like you know tap into v trigger into massive damage combos but not relying on those I, it's like how much does chun have out of that but i think she doesn't even necessarily need it she might be able to get away with just like basics of controlling with space and low forward into ex legs and rinse and repeat sort of a thing um so so yes i agree with you again on paper but i was just sort of proven wrong on my initial paper thoughts with someone like Sagat. So uh, I, I guess I say all that to say I expect more out of Chun-Li this far down the line. And maybe that'll change once the CPT rolls out and we have like seven ch Chuns and top eights, you know, something like that. But uh, but yeah, I, I need to see it more before I, uh, before I say the box is checked. Mm -hmm. To me, I think this is the best Chun-Li has ever been since season one. And I think she's really good, And but she's really under the radar right now. Uh, much like you're saying you haven't seen it yet, I'm I'm agreeing. Uh, but I think it's coming on later. Like Cami is right now, the, time, the, the, the summer of Cami or the spring of Cami is right now. Uh, the summer of Chun-Li I think is coming a little bit later on. You know, maybe even at the, uh, the Japanese CPT event, because uh, I know there's a lot of great Chun-Li players. And uh, I'm assuming uh, Master Vampires and a bunch of other people are going to be playing. Uh, they're there's Nuki. I know he was messing around with the game. I forget if he's still playing or not now. Um, but um, uh, going back to Chun-Li's changes, though, I actually think they're mostly whatever. Uh, I know that they they buffed V-Skill 2, but most people are still using V-Skill 1 for her, which is, you know, her jumped and, and you know, uh, that you can get quite a bit of V-Gage from doing it, right? Mm. Um, but I think one of the main selling points for Chun-Li is that a number of the matchups that she lost before, like to Akuma, G, and Rashid, and Urien, uh, I think she's just better at those matchups overall. And so the when you would run into those characters and how often in tournament would you not be running into Akuma, G, Rashid, and Urien? That was coming no matter what, right? Yes. Well, now she's better at that. And I think that her ability to to overcome those matchups is, is much stronger, not much stronger, but stronger than it was before. And it's like, okay, now she's got some extra juice to play with, but I think she's a fairly technical and complicated character. It's going to be a little while before people can fully get their heads wrapped around how to play the footsies and how to use V-Shift and stuff with her and get that stuff going, but I think it's coming. And I think it's going to be coming around the summertime, uh, assuming we don't get another balance patch that like knocks her down. I think Chun-Li is going to be pretty good here in another couple months. Can I ask what you think uh, in relation to someone like Karen? And in fact, specifically Karen. I like to compare these two because I think their game plans are similar enough with you know, you know, observable differences, but it's like if things are good for Karen and and why they're good for Karen, I would assume they'd also be good for Chun, you know? And and so uh, do you feel like they're pretty close to each other on the tier list? Or I mean, this I, might I, be another Guile Sagat situation too. I don't know. No, no, no. I, I, I've got Karen top five right now and I've got Chun-Li top 10. So uh, they're, you know, that's pretty darn good. And, and, you know, let's say that Karen ends up being, you know, seventh and Chun-Li ends up being 12th or whatever. Like, you know, it's it's around that vicinity. Um, but um, I, I think Karen's really good and her history is just dynamite, right? Where Chun-Li's history is, is much more spotty ever since season one. And people have kind of been predicting her coming back, including us, um, in a number of past years. And it just has not worked out like people thought it would. Uh, but for some reason, I, I've got a good amount of, of hope, uh, faith, knowledge in her that I think it's going to pan out pretty well for her this time around in a few months. So Fair enough. All right, the next character I've got is Sakura. And, of course, uh, Alex Myers is playing her a good bit, uh, but also Nephew. And then, of course, the usual uh, suspects like Now Man, Chris CCH, uh, Kasunagi, and then uh, Space Boy. And so uh, I don't think Sakura was hurt particularly hard by V-Shift. 
Um, and she also got slightly better where a number of other characters around her got worse. She still has really nice hit confirms into big damage and great pressure. And it works very well in the hands. She works very well in the hands of a fundamental player mm -hmm. who knows their footsies, um, but also knows how to do that rush down and control character style really well. And um, so Sakura's all around tools and, and strong overall power means she's rarely at a big disadvantage in her matchups now. And with nerfs like, you know, to, to Bison and Rashid and Urian, uh, those were bad matchups for her before. It's like, okay, well, hey, now now we're talking about a character like that got buffs, um, a few buffs, uh, quality of life stuff, and her matchups got worse. And and V-Shift is, in my opinion, not very detrimental to her. It's like she's really converting off of like those single hits. And every now and again, she's staying in you on these hard pressure situations, which are worse for her. But it's really her converting off of, you know, some hits in neutral and, and going crazy, right? Um so this is a this is one of my big kind of like watch this character because I think she's going to be really good. Uh, there it is. Yeah, I was watching Problem X put together his tier list with uh, F Champ yesterday, and I believe he put Sakura in A tier, uh, which would be the second tier down. There's S tier and then A tier. But uh, he said, and and go back to the tapes for sure on this one. But um, and I believe he said like she doesn't have bad matchups. You know, like there's no, there's no like standout like, oh, Sakura's good except for you know when she runs up against Laura or Abigail or whatever. Uh, it's like her general game plan is very much focused on the neutral. Um, with that standing light kick confirmed, like she's she's terrifying from a from a pretty far distance away with a really fast move that goes into the you know you're not v-shifting after she hits you with that. It's not going to be affected by that. And like you said, she she doesn't have to rely on going in. So. It's similar to what you're talking about with Chun-Li, her ability to play footsies, control the neutral space, um, have an answer to basically anything that's coming out here or there translates directly to what's good in the game right now. And I would say the same kind of goes for for, uh, for Karen. Um, maybe it's just that she's not quite as good at doling out the damage as Karen or she's more complicated or something. I don't know why she, she falls in that same category for like Chun. It's like, if Karen's good, why isn't Chun like the same or better? Uh, and, and Sakura feels like she's in that same kind of category, but uh, there's no way that Sakura isn't one of the stronger, like the high mid tiers, probably at worst. I, I think I agree. Um, and and I, read an, I wrote an article, I think it was at the beginning of last year, maybe it was the season before that. I've always appreciated the way that Capcom has been obviously trying to move things more toward the neutral with, with uh, some of their... their changes uh, in previous years and i think this one's been the most effective and it's also on the shoulders of those as well uh, but sakura felt like she was going to emerge as one of the absolute best in the game uh, and, and sure enough she won evo japan right uh, mm -hmm. was it two years ago or and, and so i figured we we're going to see a lot more of her and maybe it was just you know 2020 and COVID and stuff that kind of stopped her her ability to rise like we would have seen her otherwise but i always thought she was going to be amazing and now she's arguably better and so yeah it's like man the sky feels like it's the limit for her and maybe there are some limiting factors but no way she's not at least high mid-tier mm. so the, the last character i have is uh poison and she's still actively being played by both Idom and Fudo, uh, plus, uh, plus uh, Tachikawa uh, has picked her up now too. And uh, and this is, again, this is this current season. I always hate calling it season five because of freaking Capcom's weird-ass <laughs> season naming stuff. But anyway, um, uh, Idom is, of course, still playing a lot of Laura, but it's not like he's not keeping his poison up and his poison isn't freaking awesome still. And um, I honestly think poison... Uh, it, it is still better than Laura overall, though. 
Like it's, I think that was the case last year. I still think it's the case this year. I could be proven wrong because I'm pretty high on Laura as well, but it's like Poison's just so strong. And, but her nerfs were even more dramatic than Guile's. She got hit harder than Guile yeah. did, in my opinion. And, and it's like for her to still be up here kind of sounds a little bit ballistic. And I'm not saying she's as good as she was last year. I just think she's still um, a, a top tier, or a high end character, a top 10 kind of character in your range. Um, but she's very hard to use. And, and once people realize that her nerfs didn't hit her as hard as they might have initially suspected, I, I think you're going to see a lot more people playing her. Uh, she's still damn good. And then V-Shift, um, both of her V-Triggers are two bars. And so that means that V-shifting for her is not going to be kind of the commitment it is for some other people, right? Uh, it, it was like with Karen, when Punk was using her, like he would he would do V-reversal so much more often because one, Karen didn't need her V-trigger to win and uh, Punk didn't need her V-trigger to win pretty much <laughs> everyone else did, right? Um, but it's a two-bar V-trigger that you're using with Karen. When you've got that, you can do a few V-reversals. You can do a few of these things and not have it dramatically impact your game plan. Where if you play someone like Bison with a three-bar V-trigger or, or Abigail with a three-bar V-trigger, like you've got to really think about doing a V-shift or V-reversal. You can do it, but you might not get that V-trigger, which you definitely need to win. Poison it does not fall into that category at all. She can get her V-trigger every single time. She can probably do a, a, a couple clean uh, V-shifts and be totally fine and get right to V-trigger without issue. And especially she's doing the one where it returns like half the bar, right? Where she does a correct read on it. Um, so you couple that with her already very good zoning uh, and, and what I saw um, Idom doing against Malin, uh, the, the the top uh, one of the top Laura players, one of the best players online. And it was like Malin could not get in on uh, Idom's poison, like could not do it. And I'm going... Oh my gosh, like the one time he did, it's like, oh, be shift away. Mm -hmm. Nope, you ain't, you ain't doing that. No, that is not happening anymore. Uh, homie ain't playing that game anymore, man. Um, so it's, I really like Poison in this game. Uh, I think some people really prematurely just thought she was kind of, you know, whatever now. Uh, she's still really good and, and look out for her. Well, hopefully not to the same degree of frustration people were communicating about having to play against her before, but maybe that's exactly where we wanted to be. Good, but yeah. not amazingly frustrating. There it is. All right, John. Well, uh, that's going to wrap us up for this week of the Event Hubs podcast. We wanted to get this stuff out there. Uh, we're going to be coming back pretty hard and fast with this new content. I'm going to be playing the crap out of the game. Capcom, please release Rose right away. It's fine if you want to just like say like during the spring update, if you want to say, hey, Rose is available right now, I would not object at all. That would be wonderful. So, um, but we're going to keep this information coming to you guys. Um, we love doing this. And then, uh, John, do we have a maybe a surprise or two that we're cooking in the background for uh, fans of the show? Yes. <laughs> that's it that's it that's all you're gonna say is that's yes. all you're gonna get all right all right y'all thanks thanks again so much for listening to us and we'll be back with you soon see you